HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You need a CPA that you can trust with all your taxes and financial needs? Look no further than Joanne Flash Fleming at Fleming & Associates CPA. For more info, go to flashfleming.com or email Joanne directly at j-o-a-n-n-f-l-e-m-i-n-g at flashfleming.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. We talk about food. We talk about music. With musical dudes. Finger on the pulse. Snacky tunes. Thank you, Dan Bazin. A lot of people are going like, when your next album coming out? You know, and I'm like, I don't know. You know. But a lot of people like, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know how people uh, in the record industry, you know how they always want you to be doing uh, some stuff or whatever? You know, you'd be like, oh, you know, you know what I'm saying? A lot of that. A lot of that. They came there, you know, some people, they were like, what kind of music you want to make? You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, oh, I know, I know, I know what kind of music you want to make. And then they're like, why are you telling? You know what I'm saying? Oh, you know <laughs> You know what I'm saying? But no, that was a long time ago. I got like oatmeal, you know what I'm saying? You know, you know, it's delicious. You know what I'm saying? Some people don't like it. Some of you don't like oatmeal. It's too bad. It's real good. Put some butter in there, just brown syrup, sugar, you know what I'm saying? Stir it up, and it's just not too hot, so you burn your tongue, not enjoy the rest of your breakfast. Regret it later, have a sore tongue for the rest of the week, hope that it heals, stick some zinc. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> anyway, but I love music, and that's why I'm here today. Um, 
a lot uh my record label um they told me to do some different kind of music or whatever so i'm gonna do a little bit of different kind of music and I, some of the music that i tried to be doing before was like different kinds of music you know like not, not the same kind of music you know when you have music that's like the same but then suddenly it's not the same anymore you know what i'm saying a different kind of music that, <laughs> that's what i'm doing here so anyways check this out uh, this is a tune uh, that they want me to do. It was like this. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, I ain't gonna do that. <laughs> and I did. Uh, and then I did a tune that was like this. And I was like, uh, I, I ain't gonna do that. You know what I'm saying? So I finally found a type of music that I like. This is a, this is a music that black people make. Uh, this is a, called black people music. Uh, this is music uh, called uh, funk, uh, R&B. Uh, so I hope you enjoy it. Uh, even if you're not black, I think you might like it. So uh, go like this. Now, sometimes you might need some accompaniment, so, you know, you might need someone like uh, Mr. Vivino, for instance. There you go. Yeah, that's right. Oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you might do something like this. Yeah. Maybe some more uh, real bass, real band, yeah. So Snacky Tunes. I'm one half your host, Darren Bresnitz, sitting across from legendary Wolfgang Puck. Chef, welcome to Snacky Tunes. Snacky Tunes, you should have more than just a snack. You know, this should be a meal tune. 
I know. We should a have gourmet meal tune, maybe. Like a whole like tasting menu tune. Tasting menu tune. Uh, we're at the Ray Dolby. Omakase tune. Omakase tune. Uh, Kaiseki tune. Kaiseki tune. We'll there, get it. Right. Sooner or later. Sooner or later, we're going to work away from a snack. Yeah. Uh, we are at the Ray Dolby Ballroom, and you are prepping for what is going to be your 23rd year of catering at the Governor's Ball. How does it feel to be here for 23 years? Well, I really believe the Oscars is really the biggest party we have here in Hollywood. Biggest. In America, there's nothing bigger than that, you know. You can come to Super Bowl, but you watch a football game. You yeah. know, this one is really an amazing production. And to me, to be part of it is always exciting because we love the movies. We are here in Hollywood where the movies are made. We know the movie people. So I think it's a great event for us to do that every year It's such a great type of inspiration because every year movies uh, and cinema and Hollywood and, and, and the art form of film is reinventing yourself yeah. and, and so is food. So what sort of inspiration do you pull from the, the reinvention, the constant reinvention of film into the food that you prep each year? Well, when you really look like there is tradition and there is modernization in Absolutely. the movie too. So, for example, La La Land is going back to Gene Kelly for me sure. to an American in Paris and where you have singing and music and dancing. That hasn't been seen in Hollywood for no. a long time, really. And everyone loved it. And everybody loved Did it. Did you like it? I didn't see it yet. You didn't see it yet? I, I'm going to go see it. Uh, at, at, when it's all done. When the when, party's when done. When the party's right? over, I'm going to go see Someone's it. Someone's going to send you a screener. But I saw, for example, Moonlight, and I really loved it a Beautiful. lot. I thought it's a very well-done movie. I think all shot in Miami. I thought was really very, very good. And I also saw, which wasn't nominated, I thought it was very good, The Birth of the Nation, which was oh, amazing. an amazing movie. Yeah, I saw it on, on the way to... Uh, Singapore, and I thought I'm gonna see that and then go to sleep. I couldn't sleep. No, that's a good way to catch up on movies. Always yeah. like, you're like, when am I gonna catch up? Oh, I have a 12 hour flight. Yeah, so it's great. But I think, really think, you know, just like in cooking, we reinvent ourselves in a different way. You know, fish is still fish, but we sure. do it a different way. Uh, Pasta can be a pasta, but we do it in a different way. And the movies are movies. If it's about singing, if it's about shooting, if it's about a Western or a love story, it's always a love story, but it's shown in a different way. And food is the same. It's the ingredient, and then you present it in a different way. Do you think you could get away with serving fish from the Gene Kelly era at this year's party? You know, I could get away with it because I would change it totally to today's style. So I wouldn't do something what we did in the 50s. Even Gene Kelly was a good friend of mine. I played tennis with him. <laughs> so maybe in his honor. But maybe in his honor. Yeah. But I would do it my way. How we eat in 2017, we don't eat the same way as in 1950 or 1960. So I think to me that's a big difference, a big change. So food it has an evolution just sure. like the movie industry has an evolution there was a time when it was a silent movie then it was black and white then it became color and so it really it's a big evolution um, let's go back a little bit because before the, the governor's ball used to throw what was considered probably the most legendary party which was the Swifty Lazar parties yeah. in Spago what were those like? Oh, it was probably the most amazing party because the real big time movie stars from the what I consider big stars like Gene Kelly, like Fred Astaire, like Paul Newman, like Jimmy Stewart, uh, Johnny Carlson, uh, Lucille Ball. Like Golden Age. Yeah, really an amazing uh, uh, 
array of people. And then you had the new people like Madonna and Michael Jackson and, you know, even Michael Douglas and uh, Jessica Lange, and they were all young at that time. They used to come, and Jack Nicholson and so forth. So I think we really had an amazing group of people at the party, and Swifty ran it like with an iron fist. You I know? mean, to get that invite, right? Oh, people, people, if they didn't get an invite, they didn't say, I didn't get an invite. They said, I'm out of town, I can't come. Oh, I'd love, I would love to, but I have something else going yeah. on. Now, I know that he didn't start his party there, but how did he, how did he move his party to Spago? Well, Swifty was a very good customer of ours, sure. but also I was, had a personal relationship with him. You know, I... He used to invite me. I remember he, he did a dinner for Henry Kissinger at his house, and that was like in the mid-'80s. And then uh, he invited me, and I said, Swifty, you want me to cook? He says, no, no, I want you to be a guest. Amazing. Sure enough, he sat me at the table, I still remember, with Kirk Douglas, Gregory Peck, and Dinah Shaw. Oh, my God. So I said, what should I tell them? You know, I said, maybe just ask a few questions, you know, how they got into their business. But I was totally intimidated. And every table was a big table with stars. Yeah, but I'm sure now it's it, it's funny that you're intimidated now, but now I feel everyone wants to sit at the table with the chef and get, like, all the stories about, like, what goes on in the kitchen. You know what? Like it has changed. Our profession has changed a lot. It's huge. Years ago, people thought cooking wasn't a real profession. Today, it's almost a glamorous profession. You know, if, if uh, some doctor's kid or some lawyer's kid wants to be a chef, they would say, oh, yeah, yeah, great. Oh, my I'll, son is going to Cordon Bleu. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Years ago, they wouldn't have dared to say anything. They said, oh, my son doesn't know what he wants to do yet, so he's cooking for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, he's figuring out his profession. Yeah. So um, as, as the Oscars have evolved, um, so has the ceremonies here. So a few years ago, it used to be a sit-down dinner. Um, why did that change? What was the vibe you know, like? I decided, and uh, was it your decision? It was my decision, but I couldn't actually implement it because I don't run the academy. Right, but so when Dawn became the president, sure. Before, and what year is this? Maybe five years ago or okay. so. When Dawn became the president, I talked there, and you know, everybody when they are new, they want yeah. somebody new to come in. So then. I said, okay, what, she said, what do you want to do different, you know? So I said, we should not have set table. Before, the academy members said, okay, I want to sit with Barbara Streisand. So Barbara Streisand was sitting with 10 people at the table she didn't know. It's like a bad wedding. Yeah, it's like, a, it's like boring, you know? Yeah. You said, I can't wait to get out of her, basically. You yeah. know? I don't want them asking me questions about uh, how I did funny lady or things like that. So then I said, you know, we should see the people keep part of the thing open. So that way, if Clint Eastwood comes and then Steve Spielberg comes or Ang Lee comes or somebody else comes, we can sit them in the same area. So they see all their friends around them. They chat with one, one comes over, so it becomes a party instead of a dinner. Now, it happens to a party with really great food, from baked potatoes to mm. with caviar to chicken pot pie to anilotis with black truffles or those all with caramelized uh, cauliflower and lemon or place chocolate, Moroccan style. So there is great food and you can have so many different tastes. I mean, that's one of the things, say what you will about the Golden Globes, but it's always the moment when they're not really rolling and you see people mingling and you're like, all that magic of the moments that I feel like you've taken that magic of, of anything that happened and brought to the Oscars. 
I think the Oscars now are really a lot of fun, and you can see people stay much longer. Yeah. Before, when it was a sit-down dinner, it started at nine thirty. By eleven, everybody was. Gone. And you've already been sitting for three or four yeah. hours, and you don't want to sit with people you don't know. It's not a party. So now it has become a party. People hang out, and people say, "Oh my God, I have to go to Graydon Carter's party," but it's already twelve thirty. So. In preparation for this, it's 1,500 people, as you said, biggest party in America. Do you get nervous? You know, I really don't get nervous before because I have so many great people working sure. with me, like Eric, who is our catering chef, and Monica, and Kamel, and all the other people. Uh, so I'm not really nervous. I know we can do it. I think the only time I'm nervous just to do everything at the last moment and get everything out the yeah. right way. Just, but that's, is that for, like... That same nervousness of every service where you want to show up and do your best? Do the best. Yeah, I'm not nervous at, at 5 o'clock when they walk in. We do the pre-Oscar show and everything. I'm just nervous just before because I want everything cooked at the last moment. I don't want people to cook the chicken pot pie at 8 o'clock and then it sits until 9.30. No. I want it cooked at 9.15 so it's ready at 9.35 when people come out. So they get it just like at the restaurant. And that's what people love about the Oscars is about our dinner is it tastes like you eat in a restaurant. I mean, I would say that sampling the food today, sometimes you come to these events and you're like, it's sort of cold or it's, it's yep. off. This felt amazing and we're just, we're just here for the pre-preview. Yeah. So no, 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 we do it because I have 300 chefs. So I don't have to cook things like you go to the Golden Globe, for example. Yeah. All the food they have is in hot boxes since four in the afternoon. Well, that's why everyone's drinking so much. I know. You have to drink. You can eat the <laughs> you food. So you get a chicken. You don't know if you are biting on your rubber tire or it's a chicken. <laughs> and, you know, the, the salad is limp. The dressing has no flavor. So it, it's, it's a totally different experience. I mean, so when do you start planning? Do you, when, when does it start to... Because now... Well, we plan a few weeks ahead. And yeah. then, or months ahead, we start thinking about what we're going to do. And then, really, the main thing is, at the last moment, what do we get, actually, at the market? You know, if it rains a lot, we might not get certain things, so we just change it. Are you literally going to the farmer's market for yes, this? totally. You might be the only award show that's going to a farmer's market. Yeah, and the fish market, too. What... Why? I mean, why take that on? Why take on that added because level? Because we go to the farmer's market for our restaurants. Sure. We want, get the, we want the people, all the guests here at the Academy Awards, get an experience just like they come to our restaurant. It should be nothing less, everything cooked to order, everything with the precious best ingredients. I mean, and everyone must appreciate that because the Oscars is the last, show, the last big award show of the season. And I think people have probably been hungry for months. You know? I, I know, I think so. All going to this boring award shows like at the Beverly Hilton, but the food is terrible. And so, when you're prepping the menu, just from a big point of view, how do you make stuff when you know, people are hungry, but you don't want to weigh them down with the food? Well, first of all, we serve everything in small portions. Sure. So it's not like you're going to get a huge chicken pot pie where afterwards you cannot move. So you get a small one, you could eat two probably, you know, easily. Three, it's, maybe yeah, three. Three, maybe, yeah. That many people do. Yeah. So, or the short ribs, or the oversole, or the baked potatoes. So, the portions are small, so that way you can actually taste five, six, or eight different things easily. Yeah. Um, well, we're going to take a quick musical break. Okay. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about... Who you're going to play? Uh, we'll play Blood Orange. Blood Orange is a great guy. He does a great song. He's, he did a score of a soundtrack last year for a film. Yeah. He's fantastic. 
and we're going to talk about the menu and some of maybe the greatest highlights from the last okay. two plus decades. Uh, we're here with Chef Wolfgang Puck at the Ray Dolby Ballroom here on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
Welcome back to Snacky Tunes. Uh, Omasake Network. The o- the Kaiseki Tunes or the yeah. Omakase. Uh, Omakase Network. Is there something longer than a Kaiseki? It'd be like uh, Le Grand Bouff, you know, where you just eat till death. No, no, no. It's delicate and inspiring. Delicate and inspiring. Yeah. The, um, the amuse-bouche tunes. Yeah. Uh, we are here with Chef Wolfgang Puck talking about the governor's ball. So... 23 plus years before that you had in Spago I'm sure there are some great stories what are the highlights in your mind and you don't have to use names but what are some things that stood up of just like only at this party could this ever happen well I I think I still remember like Paul Newman coming to our Oscar party with Swifty Lazar and you know I had ready the best champagne the best vodka whatever I said I'm ready for him just to get the best and then uh when I asked Paul, what do you want to drink? He had, I don't know, old Milwaukee beer or some beer. I said, what? He said, yeah, old Milwaukee beer. Oh my God. And I said, I never even heard about it. So I had to send somebody up to Gilton, a liquor store, and get him his beer. Just two cases from the cooler, yes. vintage two months before. I know. So it was, some of the things are so interesting. Like one year at the awards party at Spargo, we have the fire department walks in. And looks, counts all the chairs. He says, oh, Swifty was there setting up all this thing, you know, for Elizabeth yeah. Taylor, for Paul Newman, and Johnny Carson, and Sylvester Stallone, and uh, Kirk Douglas. And uh, so putting all the names on the table. And then the fire department comes to me and says, well, you're only allowed to have 122 seats, and you have 180. So you have to take out 60 seats. I said, I'm going to tell Swifty he cannot yeah. have that. Hey, hey Mr. the most powerful man in Hollywood, uh, you have to have left seats. How did he handle it? No, no. So then I said, no, 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 no. We have much more, many more seats. So I said, just go up in the office to see Tom Kaplan. He knows. And one of the best things Tom ever did was that. And he told the guy, and it was actually true, but I didn't know it at that time. He said, yeah, yeah, we have 122 seats. It's inside. But we have 66 seats in the outside. Of course. And uh, the guy said, well, where's the certificate? I said, well, I can get it. If I don't find it right now, I'll get it to you tomorrow. Yeah. And the guy said, okay, I trust you. So but while he was up there, I was biting my fingernails. I started to bleed my fingernails because I said, I cannot tell Swifty not to tell uh, Paul Newman not he can get a table. And Paul, baby, we have the Milwaukee on ice, but I yeah. can't let you in. Yeah. Um, so... As you said before, that food has become more of a respected profession, more important. I mean, you were listed as one of the three hosts. Um, have you seen celebrities that have come to the governor's ball who've been more interested in the food than the ceremony itself? Well, I think the ceremony, you're there for so many hours. Sure. Unless you're directly involved with the movie. Yeah. And I have a, a special interest in it. After a while, it gets a little, you know, long. It's good for television at home. It's perfect. Because you can get up while there is an intermission. You know, they have maybe some good commercials or whatever. But when you're in the theater, while there is a three-minute commercial or two minutes, you just sit there. Yeah, so it's not as exciting as that. Now, naturally, if you sit close up and you like certain stars and somebody you're involved with in a movie and they win, it's very exciting, you know. So... But I think people really love to come to the dinner afterwards and uh, 
Don Hudson told me, I wish I would have a thousand more seats in the ballroom because the demand is so high now. She said, I feel guilty to say no. And, and I remember they said no two years ago to Harvey Weinstein. Oh. And, and he calls me up and said, what the fuck is going on? They don't, <laughs> they don't want to give me uh, a table. And then uh, they said, no, sorry, we have no space. That's when he's got. That's when you guys sneak him through the back door in the kitchen. I know, I know. I, I set up. A, I had them set up a table actually for him. So obviously, you have some staples over the year, and there's legendary dishes like the pot pie and the mac and cheese and things like that. But what is your favorite dish? What is the dish that you created or you brought to the Oscars that exemplifies what this whole night is about? Well, I think you know we make the elected chocolate Oscars, the sure. twenty-four carat chocolate Oscar, the smoked salmon Oscars, and I think that's really uh, that smoked ex- salmon Oscar. Yeah, that surprise and delight defined with that dish. Yeah, so I think it's really an interesting thing. I always think, what can we do which looks like the Oscars sure. or whatever? So it's not that easy, you know. It's hard to make spaghetti look like an Oscar, you know. So I don't think that's one of the original shapes. Or, or a steak like an Oscar. Yeah. You know, the, the cows don't go like an Oscar. So You've never heard of the Oscar cut? It's next to the skirt. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> well, they never deliver it to me. So <laughs> I think it's always, we always think, what can we look, make it look like? But the most important thing, it has to taste good. Yeah. I mean, that's the most important thing, what I saw today, was that everything was delicious. And I think that, I mean, it, your name's on it. Yeah, you know? totally, totally. I tell them, if I screw up 1,600 people or, or 1,200 people or whatever who don't like the food, they will never go to Spago or to Cato or to the Bel Air Hotel. So for us, it's a great advertising in a way sure. to really serve great food to all these people. Yes. So let's talk about some of the new dishes. How did you come up? There's a few things that are on there that caught my eye. Um, like the Wagyu, the Moroccan spice rub Wagyu uh, sh- short rib. Yeah. How do you come up with a new dish? Do you test it? What's the process there? Well, I know in my head. I can test something in my head. I can taste it in my head. I know what it's going to taste like when I see the ingredients. So I think to me it's really an important part on how we're going to put things together. What different flavor can we get together? And I think to me... I love Moroccan spices. I love this sweet and uh, a little spice to it and a little heat to it. So I really believe it's going to be a great dish. People are going to love it. Yeah, and so something you have something that's like a short rib, which is a little bit, you know, more of a decadent, sort of more serious sort of cut. Yeah. But then you also do something fun. You're going to do lobster corn dogs. Yeah. So can you talk about that dish and then the balance of... It, does it come from inspiration from movies where it's like the comedy and the drama, like in the, the high and the you low? Know, you know, we changed so many of the dishes. When we started Spargo, pizza was never in a white tablecloth restaurant. Never. So all of a sudden we made pizzas with smoked salmon, with truffles, with caviar. But with you can never sausage. take that off. Yeah. So I think the same thing is with corn dogs. I remember I went once to a factory where they make corn dogs. And I said, oh, my God, this is uh, an amazing, actually, machine where they dip it in and then goes into through the fryer and everything. So, but I used to make lobster sausages. There was a time in cooking where we made a lot of fish mousses and lobster mousses. Right, right, right. So, so the 90s? Yeah. Yeah. 80s, 90s. 80s, 90s. A lot yeah. of seafood mousse. Yeah. Yeah. And then... I thought, you know, what is a corn dog, what is a sausage? It's emulsified meat, so the same thing is emulsified lobster. So we thought, how about the spiciness of the lobster inside? You can spice it up a little bit. The sweetness of the uh, corn, 
mix the two mm. together, fry it nice and crispy outside without in good oil so it doesn't get uh, funny tasting. And it's delicious. Serve it with a little remoulade underneath, maybe spice it up with a little jalapeno, and you have really a little appetizer which really pops in your mouth. I mean, and that's just one of those sort of like fun, reminds me nostalgia, youth, I know. but totally upgraded. But totally in an upgraded way, exactly. Yeah, and for desserts this year, I heard that you're doing uh, movie candy inspired bonbons. Yeah. Which I think to me is absolutely awesome because that's what you think of when you think of the movies is you get your popcorn and then you get your your candy but you've taken I it I never again. got candies at the movies well, but I, I, Monica my pastry yeah. chef she really came up with the idea with Kamal and they said okay you know as I actually asked him I said I never got a candy because I don't eat Oreo cookies or any of that yeah. stuff when I'm in a movie I eat popcorn I'm yeah. a popcorn guy too yeah um, but so how many different flavors? What did you... I think you, we have like six different flavors from lemon to orange to Oreo, you name it. We have it, peanut, and, which is not my favorite, but people love peanuts. So. Sure. I mean, it's... I guess when you're cooking for 1,500 people and for a crowd that isn't... You know, they're coming to the party, but they're not coming to a restaurant. Is your approach that you're... Do you approach it different? Because when you're coming to Spog or something like that, you're, they're coming to your house. Yeah. They're coming to you for your food. But for here, you're being invited to cook for a group of people. Is it a different approach? Same approach, exactly, because I feel like it's my house. I feel like people come to my place, and I feel like I have to take care of them all. So often, like when uh, I remember when Moitié Chandon was here, I had for the winners a bottle of Dom Perignon mm. or a bottle of Krug on the side. Even they didn't want to do it. Uh, Moitié Chandon sponsored it, and I told the guy from Piper Heitzig already, I said, you better have a case of rare champagne because... Yeah. For the winners, it would be nice to have the top of the line. Absolutely. Um, you've been doing this 23 years. More than that, why do you come back every year? What makes it special for you? Well, I think, first of all, if we wouldn't do it, then they would say, oh, Wolfgang is maybe too old, he can't do it anymore. And I'm not too old You yet. are not. Yeah. No, you're um, not. So I think, so we'll continue. I said, at least I have to wait until the Oscars are 100. Then, uh, yeah, that's only, what, 11 more years? 11 more years. That's not bad. So uh, and then maybe, then maybe my son Byron can take over. And he cooks with you now, yeah, right? Yeah, my son Byron cooks with me, and my son Oliver and Alexander, they already asked me this morning to come to the Oscars. That's a hot ticket. That's, that's a good-looking dad if you can bring him to the Oscars party. Yeah. Now, with all the celebration and, and, and all this glitz and, and the whole world of media attention on it, there is also a charity element to it, right? You donate all the leftover food. All the leftover food goes to the LA Food Bank, so whatever is leftover doesn't going to get thrown away. We certainly make enough food, so... Now the people on Skid Row, the homeless people, they can go to their soup kitchen and get our food. Uh, what, uh, you know, what uh, uh, Julia Roberts or Denzel Washington is eating, they can get the same thing. And that's got to be great because obviously one of the worst things that can happen in an event like this is to run out of food. You never want to run out, but you also don't want to waste. Yeah. Uh, well, we never want to waste food because we know it's something sacred. Food is really what sustains us, so it's really important for me that we do something with the leftovers. Now, obviously, we have a big staff here, too, but we already make staff food, too. So whatever is left over at 12 o'clock, we pack it up nicely, and the truck is waiting downstairs, and they deliver. I mean, that's great. And finally, just one last question. What is your after party? This is the after party for all, all the people. How do you wind down after an event like this? Is there some like, late-night diner you go to, or is it a quiet home? Actually, you know, I don't like to eat late night because then I don't sleep well. Yeah. So a lot of my chefs, they love to go hang out. In the old time, I used to do Good Morning America 
uh, at four in the morning yeah. at the at the theater here. At so you stay up all night. Then. So I used to stay all up night, have breakfast, but come five in the morning, I used to be so tired. Oh my god! <laughs> and so now, generally, when it's over, sometimes we might go to a party. But mostly, you know, I saw almost everybody. I don't want to see them again. I don't no. want to be looked at as a party goer, you know. I and then they ask at... you the same questions, yeah. which is like, how is it to cook? How are you doing? Yeah. And you're like... How many meals did you prepare? And you're like, oh, and my we God. We liked it so much. Thank you. Yeah. Um, well, Chef, thank you so much. Thank you. We really you. appreciate it. All I, right. I know all of Hollywood appreciates it. Um, Congratulations. Thank Here's you. to another year. Here's to at least 11 more. Yeah, 11 more. 11 yes, more. Sure. That's then, a pretty good number because that puts you, what, that would put you somewhere around like 40 or 50 years? Yeah. I think that's 49. a good... 49. Perfect. 49 is perfect. You know, you always want to leave the party before you're supposed to. Before they throw you out. Before you're right. Throw you out. <laughs> All right. Well, Chef, we have a really fun track from Midnight Magic uh, here on Snacky Tunes. Coming up next, we have a live performance. All right. I love music, so... Do you listen to anything when you cook? Not really when I cook. I love to concentrate. I have a relationship with my food. So to me, the music, when I listen, is disturbing. Now, I listen in the radio, and you know, the funny thing is, my son Oliver is a DJ. He's 11 years old. Yeah. He has his DJ board at home. He makes music on his uh, telephone. So he knows all the DJs. Of course. So how would I know about Axwell? Or how would I know about uh, uh, Avicii and all these guys if I wouldn't be with my son? So now I learn. I'm friends with Lionel Richie or Elton John, but now I learn about all the new guys too. All the new guys. Well, what about when you eat? Do you have a type of music you like when you eat? Yeah, I like I like a m- good music. Pink Floyd is my favorite. Love Pink Floyd. You're going to see Roger Waters this summer? Yeah. That's going to be a great show. No, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, mean, I feel like... Um, Good music helps enhances the food. Yeah, totally. I, I mean, I love all kinds. I love old rock and roll more probably than anything. Because I think the disco music, I don't like when it, the drums are too hard. Yeah. You know, it, it, it drives me crazy. But I thought like Pink Floyd or some of the, even the Rolling Stones or whatever it is from that era. From yeah. From the late 60s, 70s. I think as long as you don't turn it up too high, I think it's perfect. It's so funny because I first got into music because of my dad. Yeah. And then at some point, I was able to start feeding him music. And it's just such a great relationship when you can train music. I know. You know, like a father-son type of thing. Yeah, no, no, no. Like me with my kids with cooking. It's a beautiful thing. It's, yeah. And I get, yeah, now my mom and I, my mom taught me how to cook, and now I go home and I cook with her, and it's just and food and music. It's something that you can I share know. with your family. And you know, interestingly, most of the musicians love to eat. I know, and that's what I've seen from the years as well, is yeah. that all the musicians want to do is talk about food, and all the food guys do is want to talk about music. I know. We had Sunday night. We had a... a was it Sunday? When was the uh, Grammys? No, Monday night. Sunday, uh, Sunday night. Sunday, Sunday night. night. So after the, the day, after the... No, Saturday was the Grammys, Sunday night. So L.A. Reid, I don't know if you know him. I love L.A. Reid, yeah. Yeah, L.A. is a good friend of ours, and his wife, Erica, is very good friends with my wife. So they were coming by for dinner. Awesome. I think it was, no, it was for Valentine's Day, actually. Got it. On Valentine's Day, yeah. So a few days after the... uh, The Grammys. After the Grammys. And they come by for a drink. And LA goes in the kitchen, and I have a great kitchen. And we had a triple ribeye bone-in. Ooh. And he looks at that, and I know Erica, his wife, loves my vegetables, yeah. which is a vegetarian. 
And he says, I'm not leaving. I'm ending here. I'm looking at that steak. I'm not going anywhere. I'll cancel my reservation. I'll cancel it. I didn't know they were coming. So, But we had enough food and everything. So it was fun. So he ate the steak and really said, oh, my God, that was the greatest night. I mean, that's, I mean, that's one of the things that I've seen. And I'm sure you've seen it, too, because you've been in food for so long, uh, is that shift. And I know we talked about it earlier, but that shift of people really appreciating food, yeah. really understanding it. Because, look... Steak dinner has been around since you started cooking. Yeah. But for someone to come in and see a ribeye and know that you're going to cook it perfectly, yeah. And be like, it doesn't. It's like it's like I know the the best party is going to happen in this kitchen and not somewhere else. But it's that appreciation. Yeah, yeah, no, no. And you could see when people enjoy it. They said, okay, I have another piece and another piece, and I ate a lot of caviar and potato, not for the caviar and toast before we had another friend come over. So I opened two great bottles, one great bottle of champagne, one great bottle of red wine. It was like perfect. I mean, it's amazing. You know, now, I used to go to eat all the time and all the time, but now the best meals I know, when my wife and I are at home and we cook something and we drink some wine, yeah. that's just the best. And you yeah. can set your own soundtrack and you're hanging out. I mean, it's no night Saturday night out at Spago, which yeah. I know is a no, phenomenal no, 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 thing. No, no. But it's good for you know you know. It's good for the soul sometimes. Sometimes you know when you're it's a, you're in a different place when you eat at home is more zen and more relaxing and you don't have to make a reservation you don't have to worry about the money what you're gonna spend or did you order the right wine you say okay this is just right. It's a beautiful thing and you you then then you're done in your home. Yeah. Anyway, chef. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. We have a track, Midnight Magic, a lot of fun. Good luck. Congratulations. Thank you. Okay. All right, here we go. Midnight Magic, Snacky Tunes, HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
up, Jacques Renault Remix, Midnight Magic. Are you filing your own taxes and driving yourself crazy? Do you think a professional can do a better job of finding legal deductions? Do you own a business and need help with the accounting and taxes? Are you a not-for-profit business that needs financial guidance? Are you just plain tired of your boring accountant and looking for some fresh eyes? Try Fleming & Associates CPA. At Fleming & Associates, Joanne Flash Fleming can quantify anything in a flash. She'll do your taxes, assess your worth, and is even a forensic accountant, an investigator of white-collar crime. Joanne Fleming once said, It was terribly hard for me to read Moby Dick, but put a financial statement or a tax return in front of me, it's like a novel. Imagine that. Has the political and financial news got you feeling down? Joanne Fleming was the accountant for the Occupy Wall Street movement back in 2010. Who better to trust with your financial secrets? For more info, go to flashfleming.com or email Joanne directly, J-O-A-N-N-F-L-E-M-I-N-G at flashfleming.com. We are live in studio with the amazing master of comedy music and now television, Reggie Watts. Welcome to Snacky Tunes. Uh, Snacky, welcome. Hello. Uh, We have been, I think we started trying to get you set this up last summer. No, I think when you were working at EMP. (laughs) Oh, electromagnetic pulse. Yeah. Uh, Reggie and I actually met um, during my first event internship ever when I was nothing. My first job was uh, literally. You say when you were nothing? Yeah. Well, you know, it's so dark. <laughs> hey, let's get let's get real. Um, my first real. my first job was to uh, take you to dinner at the Experience Music Project. Oh, I remember that. And um, hey, were, did, did did you get lucky? Uh, I did not get lucky. But you were up there for oh. um, it was when they turned the EMP, which Experience Music Project, over to the city. Paul Allen was like, "Here you go." Yeah. And then I, um, all of the funding was cut, and then. Um, you were there for that children series that Danny Bland set up. That's right. You made children music, and I remember seeing. I was like, "This." I was like, "Wait, what is this guy doing?" And he's like, you know what I mean, you showed up with a very similar setup, and I was like, "Probably just this." Yeah, and I was like, "Um, I was like, I think this kid's gonna make it." <laughs> and then, uh, and then when we moved into our loft, you were um, staying at our neighbor's house, Jen Dunlap. Oh my god! Yeah, your fun lap. Your stuff was there. Oh, fun lap. Yeah. yeah Shout fun out to fun lap and her force lap. <laughs> um, so. Um, I'm kind of curious, I mean, what, what is your setup? I mean, just to take people through, because it's, it's so minimal and you do so much with it. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, the thing that I've been rocking for a long time is this uh, Line 6 DL4. And they, they, uh, uh, Line 6 came up with this pedal to be a delay echo modeler. So um, if, you, if you move the dials in certain positions according to the manual, like, you know, if you, if there's like four dials. So if you move them in the positions that are listed on the manual, it would imitate an echoplex from 1974. Then you move the dials a little bit, you're like, uh, a, digital, uh, a digital delay from 1986 or something from 1994 or whatever. And so that's what it was for, but it had a looping function on it. And I never use any of the other <laughs> delay effects. I just use the looping function, but it was awesome. It's built like a tank and uh, I started Started using it in nineteen, probably nineteen ninety seven. Is this the same one? No, no. Actually, you know, it's funny. Is my original one is in EMP. <laughs> it's in the museum. Wow, really? In EMP, yeah. And my original telephone microphone too that I used. Oh, I love those telephone microphones. Yeah, but I always sang out of the hearing part, not the speaking part. Oh. I- irony. I know. Irony. And ebony. And ebony. <laughs> uh, so, how did you develop your style? Uh, in uh, you know, we have about. Three minutes for you to answer that question. Okay, that's that's really easy. 
Uh, no, I uh, just now if you slow that down and play it in reverse <laughs> on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Buy our secret reversal mm-hmm. podcast application. No, um, yeah. So basically, I, I I don't know. It was just I, I like a lot of different types of music, and I and I would imitate music all all my life. I would do mouth noises and imitate different styles of music, and then I lived with um, uh, two DJs, Brandy Westmore. Um, was uh, was a good friend of mine who's a badass DJ and um, and Rebecca West and they would play techno and minimal house like yeah. all day long so I'd go to bed it was like three rooms it was like kind of like a weird three, three, three's, three's company type of situation but I would go to bed listening to <laughs> and then I'd wake up in the morning you know, so it was like constantly, all all day long. I was exposed to it, but I loved, I loved it, and I loved dancing too. I was a huge drum and bass head. I, you know, I just loved um, every type of electronic music conceivable, and also you know traditional forms, jazz, and stuff like that. So basically, I wanted a way to to channel all of that improvisationally, um, and hopefully have people not be annoyed with that. And when did you start mixing comedy in? The comedy is something I've always done uh, all my life. I've, you know, I've been a, a class clown, and uh, I uh, would uh, be involved in drama events like school, public school plays, and things like that. And I would I would be on the playground messing with kids and doing dumb jokes and playing pranks on people. So it was like something that I'd I'd always done, and um, and so it it wasn't really a thought of adding it. It's just it was unavoidable. <laughs> just like time between the the songs like what am i gonna do yeah it's just it, uh, to me it's just funny to like i love like the idea of someone who's like good at something like throwing it away right like i i, I like i just i've always i've always you know i love like some watching a track star like totally like come out first like by a second and then go like hey guys what's good you know, like <laughs> just something really i don't know i love that transition and that juxtaposition uh, why don't we hear? Why don't we? Well, what do you call us a song? Uh, impro- I mean, what do you, what are we going to hear? Uh, this is an improvised song. I'm using a new pe- piece of technology. It's never. It's, I'm debuting it. Boom. It's, it's exclusive. It's uh, it's a uh, it's a micro synthesizer which I've been dreaming about for years. Uh, made by a um, a Swedish cat a company called uh, Teenage Engineering, and it's uh, called an OP1, and it's it samples. It does everything. It looks like it's a thing from the Swedish House Mafia video. Yeah. Like very similar it, it could to be. one. It could be. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's a very sexy dream. All right, here we go. Reggie Watts, live on Snacky Tunes. Thank you. Okay, here we go. I'm going to try doing this. This may sound crappy, guys, so don't worry about who you are as, a, as an individual. Just think of yourself collectively. Okay. And we're going to move over here. Okay. Okay. That's good. Let's check this level over here. Check, check, one, two, one, two. Oh, that sounds great. Stand by, moving volume up. Check, one, two. Okay, here we go.
so hard you are really you're really manipulating the sound the uh, shit out of sound if you will yeah yeah i'm doing a lot of noodling um, a lot of noodling a lot of, a lot of, but you know you're one of the noodlers that i, I actually enjoy watching oh thanks man yeah i, I think it was uh, my friend beardy man who's another amazing um uh beatbox uh improviser guy and he calls it live production yeah and right. and, uh, and that's that really is what it is how, how many steps ahead are you thinking or do you not? It's denied that it's just like it just happens. I mean, it kind of just happens. It's more like as soon as I hear the sound, I just start responding to it. So, I mean, I don't know this keyboard very well yet. So uh, when I when I put up a drum sound, I don't know which kit it is. So like I'll hit I'll hit it and I'll be like, well, I guess that's what I'm working with, and then that'll <laughs> feel like a, a style of music, and I just go for it. And I feel like your shows are a mix of playing because there are bits that I pick out from times I've seen you before or from your albums. But well, there's times when it just feels it's totally improv. What, is it a mix of that, or is it more planned out for your performances? <clears throat> well, on, uh, on uh, Why Shit So Crazy, uh, uh, some of the songs were studio songs, but they were still improvised. Right. So I just added track. It was just like a studio version of what I did with the luxury of actually stopping and editing something once in a while. But, um, yeah, all of, all of the songs are improvised. I, I just like the idea of being able to generate a song that sounds completely written um, you know, in the moment, and uh, something I've been practicing for ever. But I practice it live because so, I, I can't be bothered at home. Um, but I mean, so someone who is like, man, I really love that. That's it, right? There's never going to get a chance that they'll ever see something again. Probably not, unless unless they unless it's recorded and someone's like, hey, let's make a track out of that. Well, that hasn't happened. There yet. are definitely moments where I've seen you. I think the last time I saw uh, there was one section at BEMP from last year. I went, shit, I'm never going to hear this again. <laughs> it, makes you, it makes you really be in the moment of your show. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, there's a, I, I've, got, I've, I've gotten used to just throwing away stuff. You know, like sometimes there'll be magic moments. I mean, this happened when I was in Seattle. Um, you know, there was a group of musicians that all knew each other, and we would have these jam nights. And my, my suggestion to the group was that let's try to make songs that sound like they're written instead of just jamming ad hoc like fish style or whatever just noodling all over right. the place like let's just focus on a part that you like and remember it and come back to it later as a verse and then create a chorus and i'll remember the melody of the chorus and we'll do a, a c-section and then we'll come back and we'll end it around like between five and seven minutes and so we used to practice that all the time so i was thinking compositionally improvisationally that's amazing let's talk about the new show comedy bang bang uh-oh and um, the most important question I think we all have: What's it like seeing your face all over the subway? You know, I haven't seen that yet, and what? Uh, yeah, 
I know. I know. No, no. Well, <laughs> sorry, guys. I don't ride with the people. So all the people, the yeah. normies. Yeah, the normies. Be seeing your face on uh, subway billboards everywhere. Yeah, man. I mean, it's uh, you know a lot of friends have been sending, sending me pictures. The reason why I haven't seen it is like, I like riding the subway, but I, I just haven't been in New York. This is actually my first yeah. week in New York. Thank and you for gracing us with your There's no problem, guys. Uh, uh, How about do, some bubbly? I, I do believe you arrived in the north side. Um, I did arrive. <laughs> And also, you know what? But what's really dumb is that not my man, my management, my management is not dumb. But they'll, they'll they'll book they'll book me cars. But sometimes sometimes I don't realize how close something is. Uh, so yeah. sometimes I'll jump in the car and they'll be like, "Where are you going?" And then I look on the map and I'm like, "This is ridiculous." Yeah. I mean, I could have ridden my bike here. But you know, it's awesome. one of those it's one of those things that we um, when we are doing bookings on things, it's like when it's something that becomes like where we tried to book you for a while. They're like, "We need a car." We're like, "Fine." We need a car home. Fine. We need this. It's like fine. It's like whatever. Whatever. No, I'm saying like whatever small roadblock it takes just to remove those roadblocks. Yeah. Just to get like you get a, you here. You had a de- uh, decent ride over. Oh, it was, it was awesome. The guy wasn't very friendly. No, he, he, he waited a while. He had to wait a while, no. and uh, and that tends but to happen. Let, let's let's talk about the show. Yeah. Let's talk about for those. I, I I've seen the Bomb Amy Poehler episode. Yes. And new episodes are coming out. That's correct. And yeah. uh, how was it? How did it come about? Um. You know, uh, you mean how did uh, the episode or the show or me what, and you involved want. in the show? Pick, pick well, the most interesting point. I'll give you the condensed uh, yeah. the evolution. Uh, so Scott Ackerman of uh, Mr. Show fame and uh, Between Two Ferns fame and other fames, but those are the, the most interesting points um, along the road that people would know. But um, he uh, started a, started a, a show um, called uh, Comedy Death Ray. Comedy Death Ray uh, started as a show show where they would have uh, a lot of great comedians be a part of a lineup and then that turned into a podcast that podcast became really popular um, the show became popular at UCB in LA and then uh, I started doing the show UCB LA but I started at Scent which was See You Next Tuesday which was like <laughs> the show that you do before you're accepted to the show oh yeah uh, so it's like Farm Tree What's that? Farm team? Yeah, 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 basically. Little yeah. minor league. It was like, hey, let's take a look and see what we got here under the rocks. But um, And then I got invited to do that, which was a huge honor, and I started doing that. And then he asked me to do his theme song. I did a theme song. And then uh, he changed the name to Comedy Bang Bang. And I had to do a new theme song. And Amazing. then IFC was like really... Uh, they got a new, uh, new kind of basically new structuring for their leadership, and uh, a guy named uh, Dan Pasternak um, was a big fan of what I was doing, and uh, and he was also a huge fan of Scott. So he approached Scott and said, "Hey, can you take your podcast and make a visual version?" I'm sure Scott was already thinking that. So right. the two minds m- met, and then they were like, "Oh, how about Reggie as like a musical sidekick kind of guest dude?" And then. Suddenly, IFC was backing this program, and he was able to call in all those favors from all those years and get like all these amazing. No, the talent lineup is incredible. I mean, the make music like making music segment is like really. You got all those people to come and do it. It's crazy because those people were not informed. I don't think oh. of of what they were doing. So they would be on set, and some some they'd be like, oh, "Excuse me, Amy, would you be interested in doing a little um, a little uh, kind of musical uh, thing with uh, uh, Reggie?" You know, and then she'd be like, "Oh, yeah, oh, yeah sure, yeah. why not?" You know, they don't know what they're. Oh, you're, do. oh you're going to back me in a corner like this? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. Basically. Was, uh, yeah. Basically. Weird Al was on, or he's coming on. We- up. Weird Al. Yeah. How was that working with Weird Al? 
Weird Al's amazing. Um, I mean, he's part of the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. Really? You know, Direct well, influence? Well, the parody, the parody song stuff. I just right. remember when I was a kid and I was really into Michael Jackson and suddenly... Um, uh, Fat. Or, I mean, uh, not clean. I always say clean it because that was the my response to eat his it? response. Eat it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so Eat It came out and I was like, oh, the video looks really similar. They've got similar jackets and clothing and it's the choreography, but it's funny. And uh, and I was really big into parodies. And so that's that and Michael Winslow, those were like my two kind of forays into comedic songs. You might be the only person who has Weird Al Yankovic and Michael Winslow as direct influences and it totally makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, completely. I mean, but yeah, but he, he was great. It was an honor to meet him and on that same episode was um, Tenacious D. Oh, yeah. So it was like in the same room with, you know, all of those guys. It was, it was so, heavy. I mean, they really did pull out all the stops for guests. How oh, many, man. How many episodes did you shoot? Ten. And like, you just like, let's just get all ten in there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they they rocked everybody. They were going to have a bunch more guests, but some of the guests were just unavailable. You know, they wanted to do well, it. Hopefully, but hopefully, uh, season two. Season two. Say we'll this. see. Let's do another song, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about food. All right, let's do another song. Okay. This is a song that I did a long time ago. This is about people who have a difficult time adjusting to where they could go and where they could be. So, without further ado, I think I would like to take a chance to do this. Hey. Yeah, what's up? I was just wondering, could you come? Yeah, please turn off the reverb. Okay, here we go. Don't know. 
tough Eating pizza, but you never get enough Calazone sitting on a plate with a knife What you gonna do when you get married your wife? She always staring at you with those googly eyes But never would you do it if you had to despise Who you was in the first place Listen, you gotta learn to accept the grace of the beauty of the way you wanna do anything that you see You gotta put yourself down upon one knee what you really doing this for? Is it societal pressure? Whatever you a whore. Listen, I got this up on the switch. You gotta do anything that you can do with you. Cause you use some words just cause they sound and make you feel tough and shit. But you would never do this. Yo, yeah, come on. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, put them, put them radio, radio. Um, yeah, yeah. Internet radio. Internet radio. Radio, internet, radio. What you gonna, what you gonna, what, 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 Thanks, all you guys. Yeah, we just brought all, we just brought all of Roberta's in here. There's a thousand people in here. You get like little contact mics on all the tables yeah, in the restaurant yeah. with an applause sign. Man, that is that is just staggering to watch. Um, so, uh, you're a man who seems like he enjoys life. <laughs> what would you say that your is your normal choice of uh, food and beverage, both here and on the road? Beverages, um, I think, uh, on the road, I mean, I, in an ideal world, it would be salads, a lot of salads. I, my friend last night, uh, uh, Danielle Florio of Whisk and Ladle, um, she, uh, she... Oh, I makes, love Danielle. Yeah, she's awesome. Um, and she made this incredible salad that was just... I think it was I think it was a arugula, maybe a couple other greens, some really amazing um, goat... Like a chevre, um, chevre, yeah, some of chevre, uh, and uh, right? a sesame oil dressing, and some uh, some kind of a root thing, like a, a pumpkin of some sort. And the mixture of it was completely, it didn't it didn't taste uh, like Northern American, and it didn't taste European, it didn't taste Asian. It was like this crazy weird, like I don't know, amazing flavor, and we couldn't stop eating it. And there was also a little bit of I think quinoa in it as well. It was amazing. Oh, quinoa, just a sprinkling. Sprinkling. Um, but yeah, I like salads, and I and I really like um, I like health foods mostly. Um, just anything that's like clean, like a clean piece of protein, nice fish, or um, nice piece of chicken on occasion. Um, do you yeah. find, do you find time to cook, or are you too busy? You know, I used to I used to cook, um, and uh, and and I used yeah I used to cook all the time, but uh, I haven't done so in probably fifteen years. Oh, okay. oh 15? <laughs> 15 years. Fitting. Fitting. <laughs> Has your uh, oven and things like that turned to a storage space? Things like that. I should actually. Thanks for thanks for suggesting that. Helpful. Snacky tunes helpful hints. When you're not <laughs> when you're not cooking, turn it to a storage space. Um, well, last thing I want to ask you before we make sure we have time for thing is yeah. um, you were in the hot chip video. Yes. How did that come about? Um, <laughs> that was well, you know, Peter Serafinovich. He directed. Um, I think it's it was that a second video or third video, but um, wait, the new hot chip video? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he. Um, uh, I became friends with Sheriff Fenowich through a guy named uh, Mr. Hopkinson, who does really interesting things. You check him out. Um, he's from Bristol, 
and uh, this genius AV guy. And he so so he introduced me to Peter Serafinowicz. I fell in love with the Peter Serafinowicz show, um, which I was watching on the internet all the time, and it was just killing me. And then I got the chance to actually meet him uh, through his brother, and my manager knows his brother. And um, want to shout out your manager, James? Yeah, hey, Olivia James. Wingate, Olivia, wherever you are, here you is. I shout out to Sheila for setting this all up too. Oh yeah, Sheila's Sheila. Thank you, Sheila. Sheila is the human. Yeah, yeah she's uh, she's incredible. She's in Austin, and I'm going to be spending a lot of time in Austin doing some uh. projects. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, so one thing led to another, and I got to meet Peter, and he came to a show, and then we, we just kept in contact with one another, and uh, he's a total absolute genius and it's an honor to work with him and he he's like hey man you want to be in this hot chip video i was like i guess i don't know and he's like terrence stamp might be in it and, <laughs> and i was like terrence you mean zod from the superman movie and uh and uh yeah and so i did a, a remote shoot in new york i uh, had like a, a little space of time and i went to the studio and and shot this little scene and then he put it together really quickly and I think it's an awesome video. I, think I love it. I think it's awesome. The What's dancing the the is it's night and day. It's Incredible. A, yeah, it's really good. The whole record is actually... The whole record's great. Flutes has like been on repeat <sighs> for... Yeah. They're, they're, That's a track. They're amazing. The, they're prolific. I was, I was listening But you to, always know what you can get with their records. You're going to get like a few ballads yep. and then jams. And like yeah. you just know... Uh, I love how you, they do ballads. You do you do some ballads too. I do ballads. Yeah, I like ballads. What's, uh, I mean, is the art of the power ballad still alive? You know, the power ballad for me sounds like uh, something that you kind of have to use it in a funny way. Um, I mean, ballads are good. I mean, they're they're good, but most of the time, if you're playing on the piano, um, it just I always defer to comedy just because it it just <laughs> it, it harkens. Is that. it a wall? Is it a protective wall? <laughs> it's a protective firewall. It's a social firewall. Uh, uh, <laughs> so, uh, last question before we get your nuts and bolts in one last song. Uh, yeah, Dream Collaboration, Alive. I love that band. <laughs> um, no, uh, <laughs> dream, dream collaboration. The album Alive is amazing. No, um, uh, uh, I don't know. You know, I I'm a big Image and Heap fan, um, but uh, it would be interesting to to work with Tune Yards. I don't know. If she, I've never met. That her. would actually be really. Yeah, be, yeah. Du- wait, it's like dueling looping. It's like the modern yeah. version of dueling banjos and with uh, guests yeah. by uh, Owen Pallet. You could have all. Uh, Who's Owen Pallet? Uh, Final Fantasy. Oh, he does yeah, that all, He does all the footwork with the violin. It's like it's yeah. essentially the same thing. So the three of you in a room together. I mean, it, it, it could be great, but it's also one of those things where you're like, if we get people who are good at what they do in one room, you know, yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean. It's a but, good I, thing. but I, but like- I, th- I think she would be. She's. I mean, she seems improvisational, even though she's structured. But um, yeah, she's great. Yeah. I would love to work with. I don't know. Great that would be amazing, too. actually. Yeah, I would. I you know I, I you know Matthew Hammerline's another great looping artist guy. And Is there anybody that you would like to make music for and them do go go uh, guest vocals for you? Oh man, I mean, I would love to produce a track. I, I you know I love. Um, St. Vincent's voice is great, but she's kind of got it covered. Dude, <laughs> but, she has a new record coming out with David Byrne. Like that's kind of just like the crowning achievement, right? Well, she's our new. She would hate me saying this, but I think it's a huge compliment. She's our she's our our generation's uh, Kate Bush. Like, how how would me. you hate that? I don't know. I mean, I, you know, people huge, hate being compared to other uh, people. I'm my own person. Yeah, of course, <laughs> and she is completely one hundred percent. She's not. She's not Kate Bush, but However. she has the effect. She, <laughs> yeah. she, because like I often look for those icons in right. current. I'm like, well, who would be the equivalent of Jimi Hendrix, and who would be the equivalent of uh, Fleetwood Mac? And uh, unfortunately, only about ten percent of those old equivalents exist today as a new form. That, that's fair. Um, all right. Well, thank who, you for joining. Who, who, who are you? The new of. Oh. 
I'm I'm probably uh, oh well, I'm probably the new Antonio Banderas. Oh, of, course. <laughs> of course, that's of what course. I'm guessing. Uh, all right, well we want to thank you. What, what's uh, people want to follow you? Find out about shows. Watch the new TV show. Where's all this? Um, ReggieWatts.com um, is one place. Uh, Twitter is where I announce a lot of shows. Uh, so Twitter is just at ReggieWatts, and uh, Instagram is at ReggieWatts, and or ReggieWatts. However, that's structured. What's your Instagram feed like? What are we talking about? Um, it's like my Tumblr feed, which is. <laughs> situationist.tumblr.com but it's um, kind of taken over because it's so it's much easier to put f- but I just take pictures of things and I never put captions oh interpretation yeah I just I just like I like the idea of people just seeing the image for the image and then maybe they'll figure it out awesome alright well we want to thank you we're going to have one last song Maharlika thank you so much thank you. thank you if you guys want more pizza well, I'm taking so, home. I don't know. I'll, I'll probably take June home. 30th, uh, barbecue at City Winery. Um, go to citywinery.com or fotpnyc.com for tickets. Tons of announcements coming up in the next weeks. And then the Snacky Tunes Live. Tons of announcements? Tons. Thousands. I don't even know thousands. what we're doing. Uh, and then Snacky Tunes Live Volume 2 comes out um, oh, and June, we, June 26th. And we're DJing the Northside. Shout out to all of them. Closing party at Nighthawk on Thursday night. So get your tickets now. Nighthawk. You might be able to actually meet us in person. But you probably won't you want probably, to. Yeah, you probably won't, won't. That's how dark it gets. Yeah. Guys, their voices match how good looking they are. Yeah, but the covers don't match the drapes. Oh. <laughs> You're talking about your, ar- your armpit hair, aren't you? Huh? Here we go. Reggie Watts live with Snacky Tunes. <laughs> Yo, had to brush my teeth and shit, yo Had to do a lot of shit, know what I'm saying? That's how we do this Yo, this ain't LA, yo Some people think New York is just like LA But they wrong and shit Cause the topography is totally different The geography, the weather systems, the microclimates are totally different There's a huge influx of different types of people and shit Know what I'm saying? So anybody who thinks that LA is exactly like New York Or New York's exactly like LA Those motherfuckers are just wrong and shit Know what I'm saying? And that's a huge thing They're talking about it on CNN and shit Deal with this shit Know what I'm saying? Yo, yo I didn't grow up in New York, but I watched Taxi a lot, and that basically gave me everything I need to know about New York and shit. That melancholy theme song with that taxi going over that bridge, yo, that's everything, man. That's New York, you know what I'm saying? Yo, New York is a confluence of different events. Most people can never even claim that they even lived here and shit, but that's okay. That's just the nature of New York. You think the Native Americans think that the locals are local? Think again, motherfucker. Yo. Yo. 
Fischtel all, Ulflassen, Achtestel, Mistromok, Flex, alle Kunstwerke, alle Kahn, Ukra, Fistan, Ukra, Teschle, Bom, Stecklefan, Frey, Topotepeka, Topok, Topok, Bramtam, Setlafa, Üstuklem, Wanden, Hey, 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 Go, Taxmika, Frokomnit, Schalatzinus, Brakisa, Yeah, Monsena, Quane, Fein, Tafisto, Dom, Brakin, Dolisson, Amdo, Obrigato, Motherfucker. Jimmy Carville in New York City What you gonna do when they call your names Gonna do some stuff like you're in New York City New York, 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 New York Yeah, come on You feel that? Yo, get it. Come on. Brooklyn, Brooklyn, New York, New York City, City, uh, uh. Brooklyn, Brooklyn, New York, New York City, City, uh, uh. Brooklyn, Brooklyn, New York, New York City, City, uh, uh. Brooklyn, Brooklyn, New York, New York City, City, uh, uh. Brook, 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 Brooklyn, Brook, Brooklyn, 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 Brook, 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 Brook. There's more to New York City than Brooklyn. I know that and stuff, but if you say Brooklyn, it automatically unifies people in a very strange way. Even if they live in Queens and stuff, or maybe the East Village, or maybe the West Village, there's no point in going anywhere above 14th Street. Yo, getting across the city is really tough, but if you live in a kind of area that has a crosstown line, you're really lucky and shit. Know what I'm saying? Nobody wants to go up there, but they have to because business is up there and shit. Know what I'm saying? Yo, when my Soho hangers, my Soho hangers, Soho's really weird because I don't know how to navigate Soho hangers Soho hangers lots of thin tall people walking around Apple stores what the fuck they doing them clowns gotta get some pistachios at a market that's overpriced and shit come on let's do this yo you ever been to that one place nah I never been to that one place do you know about that other place I don't know about that other place do you know that new place I don't know about the new place did you hear about the place that's about to open yeah did you hear about the place that's gonna close yeah did you hear about that one place ah it doesn't matter it's a bunch of old dog Brooklyn Brooklyn, New York, New York City, City, uh, uh. Brooklyn, Brooklyn, New York, New York City, City, uh, uh. Brooklyn, Brooklyn, New York, New York City, City, uh, uh. Brooklyn, Brooklyn, New York, New York City, City, uh, uh. Brooklyn, Brooklyn, New York, New York City, City, uh, uh. Brooklyn, Brooklyn, New York, New York City, City, uh, uh. Brooklyn, 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 We talk about food, we talk about music, with musical dudes, finger on the pulse, snacky tunes. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.